Always a pleasure to meet a podcaster. Good day, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi podcast episode number 317 for February the 7th, 2011, or 2011, as some people like to call it. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Today's Super Bowl Sunday. Do I care? No, not really. Although there was a possibility the Chicago Bears were going to be in the Super Bowl, and I guess then maybe I, I would have had to care a little bit. But uh, but that's, you know, again, we're not here to talk about the weather or sports, but maybe I might have to talk about the weather this week uh, after our big, you know, blizzard of 11. Blizzard of 2011? Snowmageddon? Where's Bruce Willis? <laughs> Everyone, uh, today, uh, the main topic for today is going to be, if you don't know already, because some of you probably do, uh, is going to be the Voyager episode, Timeless. And as I have said many times on the podcast, and I even say, as I have said many times on the podcast many times, I've said that too. Wow, that could get weird. It's like looking in a mirror, right? <laughs> anyway, I, I really thought I had covered Timeless. This is a, a, a really a great episode of Voyager. It is uh, got so many cool things to talk about. I'm really excited about uh, this one. And uh, when I was laying out the schedule a few weeks ago for the upcoming podcast, I you know I was thinking about okay, what Voyager episode? It was kind of up to do uh, time to do a Voyager episode, and, and for some reason, Timeless popped into my mind, and I said, oh, I I, I must have covered that one, but nope, I haven't covered it yet. So uh, we're gonna do that today. I've collected some clips. I just watched the episode again this morning, collected a bunch of clips from it. So we're gonna do it that way rather than me talking over the episode type of thing. Uh, again, I am trying to mix that up a little bit. I know some people prefer one or the other. Uh, it, it's I, I have uh, uh, pluses and minuses of both ways, so I, you know, to make it interesting for me, I'll do it, mix it up a little. But today is going to be a clip show with that, and I'll talk about the episode as I play those. So, and we've got maybe four, three or four comments from uh, listeners too, from you good old forum members. Hey, you know, people out there who are listening to Treks and Sci-Fi who are not on the forums, you guys are welcome to send in comments too. By the way, treksf at gmail.com. <laughs> Anyway, we've got some other things to talk about, a few little bits of news and information maybe uh, related to me and things, uh, and uh, I guess that's it. Let's get started with uh, playing the Voyager uh, opening credit theme. I, I This is always a great uh, tune. I, I One of my favorites of the Trek intros. Heck, I, I like them all. What can I say? But this one, very, very well done by Jerry Goldsmith, and I'll be back after the credits.
All right, here we go. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Oh, I want to thank Rob, too, for his little intro that he did. Hey, Rob's always great with the voices, and especially uh, next week we've got um, – I'm going to be looking at the third Indiana Jones movie, uh, Indiana Jones The Last Crusade, and he sent in some uh, voice work that he's done for that. So uh, everyone, uh, you know, make a note of it right now. I want to hear your comments and thoughts on Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. So send those in to treksf at gmail.com. What's been going on in the world? Well, a little bit of snow. (laughs) The Rockford, Illinois area, and, and Illinois and Chicago in general got just blasted you know everyone's aware again probably most of the people that are listening even people out of the country are aware of the major snowstorm a lot of the midwest and a lot of the country uh here experienced this past week pretty much midweek thursday wednesday in that time frame uh this area got uh, really pummeled we have uh basically i think officially we got 15 inches of snow here by the airport uh, but it drifted at least double that in size and in some places even more. And when they were shoveling it out, of course, now we have we have easily like, you know, 15 to 20 foot piles of snow around uh, on corners and in shopping, you know, parking lots near any place that, you know, is a corner that they need to to plow. It gets piled up and it, it is incredible. It is a lot of snow. I don't. I think there've been only a couple other storms that I can recall that were this big that I've ever been in, and it was a, a major storm. I actually got lucky though. We got uh, Wednesday off work, which was a wise move on their part. It, it would have been very tricky to get in on that day uh, for me, even though I'm not that far from work. But it was um, snowmageddon basically, and it's it's pretty good now. The the roads have been plowed, although overnight last night and this morning we're getting some more snow here. We've got probably two three more inches of snow. Yeah, just. Just keep coming, Mother Nature. <laughs> it's like, when is it going to be over? It's February. Come on, we should be getting some breaks a little bit here and there. And, you know, a couple of days actually above freezing. We haven't been above freezing in forever. It, it's uh, The snow is not going anywhere unless we get some, you know, warmer days, you know, where it gets above 32 Fahrenheit. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy, pretty incredible. And uh, I'm tired of it, basically. <laughs> so, you know, it's... Uh, it's always hard. Winter's always a tricky time, you know, where some winters are milder, some are more. That This one has just been a just a bear for everyone, just about. I, I mean, there are areas that are getting weather and cold and snow that don't ever hardly get it, and it is, uh, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I never really buy into the whole global warming thing. I think the planet goes through cycles to a degree. I think, yeah, there are some things we're probably doing that are affecting it to a, to a minor degree, but I I don't really buy that. I mean, I think you can go back and, you know, we, we have good weather records for what, a couple hundred years, give or take, not even that, really accurate ones maybe for, you know, just the 20th century or so. So to, to say that there's, oh, why am I going off on this? I don't know. But let's just say I don't think this is the start of any kind of trend. I don't think we're going to be getting, you know, this is the way winter is going to be from now on. Next year could very well be one of those mild ones where we don't get much snow and it's not that cold. I know Michigan uh, has had probably in the last 10 years approximately, I'd say a good half of those years were fairly mild for winters, not very much snow. I mean, we got some snow, but definitely under the averages, and uh, the the temperatures were not that bad. I can even remember around Christmas time going outside and not even really needing, you know, putting up the lights or taking down the Christmas lights or whatever it would have been at that time. It, you know, being in the 40s, almost 50, and not not really any snow on the ground, and that. So it's uh, 
it's just all cyclic and it, it, you never know what's going to happen. But uh, anyway, uh, so uh, I hope everyone survived it. Uh, it. It has been pretty crazy out there and, and just drive carefully. That's the main thing. If you're having to go to work or, or whatever, just be very careful out there. One of the hard things around here, at least, and I, it's probably true everywhere, is there, you know, people walking to, you know, this or that and because of so much snow on the roads and the sidewalks and all this stuff, people are walking in the roads, which is just a bad idea. You know, not only is it hard to drive, there, there's ice in some places and a lot of snow around still, but there's now there's people walking in the middle of the road. You know, ah, I just it's it's crazy. I I, I wish they wouldn't do that. It, it, you know, I try not to hit them. You know, so far, knock on wood, I, I've been okay on that. All right, that's enough about all that junk. Uh, I'm wasting time. i got a lot of other things to talk about and cover. So I'm going to take a very uh, short little commercial break and uh, play probably a promo from one of the podcasts that uh, are friends of the show, let's say. And then I will be back, and we'll talk a little bit about Trek and sci-fi and the news, and then we'll get into Timeless from Voyager. Eleven teams of two in an exciting race around the world to win $1 million on The Amazing Race. I'm Joyce. And I'm Al. On our new show, the Fast Forward Podcast, we'll recap each weekly episode of The Amazing Race, give you a rundown on each team, and tell you our predictions on who we think will cross the mat in first place each week, and ultimately win the $1 million prize. We'll also share listener predictions and other interesting information we pick up along the season. So after you've gotten your geeky goodness fix from Rico on Treks and Sci-Fi, check out the Fast Forward podcast in iTunes, and we'll see you at the Fast Forward. Live long and prosper. Okay, uh, a little bit of uh, something going on with the Star Trek Online uh, game. I, I, I did try that game uh, last year. I want to get back into it. They've added a lot of new content, but they're, um, this is something a little bit kind of related to it i'll just read this uh press release and information here uh they're they're doing these little they're going to be doing these sort of like webisodes uh i'll just listen to what this has to say cryptic has released the first episode of the latest star trek online feature episode series called cloaked intentions the current series focuses on the romulan star empire and details on the new episodes after the jump uh uh, basically, uh, this is going to be uh, online uh, is starting in February, I believe. There is a little sort of a preview right now up. I'll, I'll post that on the forums, so maybe on the main website soon. Uh, here's a little uh, more background on this. Uh, new feature episodes debut on Saturdays at 11 a.m. Pacific and remain available indefinitely for any character of any faction. Oh, wait a second. Uh, maybe this has to do with in-game things. Uh, but the uh, more information, I'll, I'll put links in the podcast notes about this. Episode 2, Mine Enemy, was going to be released on February 12th. Uh, on February 19th, something called Frozen. Coliseum is after that. It looks pretty cool. They, they're using a lot of footage and things like that, of course, from the game. So... Uh, this, uh, you know, it's it's pretty uh, interesting that they're doing this. Another uh, Trek-related story, uh, William Shatner and Amanda Tapping. Uh, of course, uh, we both know, uh, all geeks know both those people, are doing a new online uh, animated sci-fi series called The Xenoids. Uh, it looks pretty cool. It's about a sort of a musical group 
in the future, and they're doing, I guess, providing a couple of the voices for the characters. It's not them starring, actually, in the show, just their voice talent. So uh, that well, that would be pretty good. I wonder if Amanda Tapping is going to use her American accent or a British accent. Uh, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm still enjoying uh, Sanctuary, by the way. I've got a couple of episodes left to finish off. Uh, for, I guess, this season that they're in right now. They have kind of short seasons, and uh, I'm enjoying that series quite a bit. I got kind of behind on it. I think I only have two maybe episodes left to watch now. Uh, A couple other things. Chris Pine, who, of course, played James Kirk in the uh, Abrams 2009 Trek movie, is saying he's got kind of a busy schedule, and that could delay filming of uh, Star Trek IV, you know, the next film. We'll call it Star Trek 2012 because it's coming out in June of, uh, well, about a year and a half away really is all. So they are saying right now at this point in time that it may just delay the filming just a little bit, but the release date of the movie right now, they haven't changed anything related to that. So it's it's still all on, although they still, as far as I know, don't have a completely finished script. They do not have a, uh, an official director yet and uh, and many other things. So what's the deal, guys? Come on, get it going. Uh, but uh, let's, uh, you know, hopefully it's got to start breaking pretty soon. I would say within the next month or two, we, we should hear some, start to get some real information when filming scheduled for, maybe a little bit more info on the script. So uh, it, it's... Uh, it's just taking a while. I guess these are busy times and busy people, and who knows. Uh, what else do we want to talk about here? There is a new uh, Star Trek browser game called uh, Star Trek Infinite Space. This is set in the Deep Space Nine Star Trek universe. They are looking now for a beta testers, and if you go over to most of these stories I'm reading today are over at uh, trekmovie.com. You can learn more. You can sign up to be a part of the beta test for this and to get in on this game called uh, Star Trek Infinite Space, which uh, it looks kind of fun, and it's nice the fact that you can just play over your browser and it's free to play and all that. Uh, you know, these days so many games come out that are that are you know the games cost money. You gotta sometimes pay for a subscription fee if it's like an MMO type game. So it's got a little refreshing to play a game that doesn't cost a lot. So that's nice. Uh, what else do we want to cover Trek wise and sci fi wise? Uh, the it looks like um, uh, looks like Leonard Nimoy. Even though let's see now, I think he's up to his third or so time that he's re- been retired, but not retired. It looks like he's going to be doing a few more guest appearances uh, in Fringe, from what I'm hearing. So that could be cool. Although I don't want to give anything away, but I, I, I'm, I'm let's just say I'm interested to how they work him into the show again, since of some things that happened to his character on Fringe. And if you're not watching Fringe, you really should be. It's a it's really a great show. It's on Friday nights now and. You know, the funny thing about being on Friday nights with Fringe is I, I swear it's giving me more of an X-Files, X-Files vibe than I've ever had from the show. You know, X-Files back in the day used to be on on Friday nights. Uh, I think it was on, what, Friday when it first started, and then it moved to Sundays eventually for X-Files. But, uh, it, you know, sci-fi kind of for some reason has, has sort of taken over Friday nights. The sci-fi channel aired a lot of sci-fi on Fridays over the years. Not so much anymore. Well, they've moved uh, some things around. So, but uh, so Friday nights kind of for some reason has been kind of that, and they do kind of those schlocky Saturday night sci-fi films too, for Saturday, but not Friday. But anyway, Fringe, uh, watch it uh, on Friday. And Smallville also came back on Friday nights on the CW. 
that came back last Friday with a really cool episode. I, I really enjoyed it. It had a sort of a, a Matrix uh, uh, bit of uh, the Matrix style in the in the uh, episode. Uh, there's sort of a virtual setting and world going on, and you had to believe or not believe in it, and, and that I'm not going to give too much away, but it's a it's a great series. Again, uh, that one is in its last season. It's been on gosh ten years. Hard to believe. There aren't a lot not a lot of sci-fi or comic book related or you know genre TV that lasts that long. Uh, and uh, speaking of that, the the TV series The Cape. If you uh, watch that series, which I still think is a kind of a fun show, it, it, we've only seen like five episodes so far, but I guess they they cut the series run. Uh, NBC, I think originally the the run was for thirteen episodes, and now they've cut it back to only ten. So uh, that's a bit of a concern. I guess the ratings haven't been as as good as they had hoped. So if you are a Cape fan, you know try to watch it, try to support it as much as you can, and hopefully it'll continue. It has not been canceled. It is still uh, going to be airing for the next few weeks to finish off these episodes. I don't think they're going to cut showing any of the episodes as far as I know right now. But it is on Monday nights on NBC at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 uh, Central, I believe. So that, um, you know, we've had a discussion on the forum this past week about it. And, you know, one of the problems, I think, these days with, with television and television viewing is there are... It used to be back in the days when I was first watching, you know, growing up and watching TV and into, you know, maybe even, you know, any time more than like, say, 10 years ago, approximately, give or take, uh, probably even a little bit less in some ways. But people don't watch TV so much at the program time it's on. Everyone has a DVR or they watch it online on Hulu or, or you know, Netflix streaming or, you know, whatever they do, they, there's there's not nearly the the impetus and, and the reason to sit down there like it used to be at eight o'clock each night or seven or whatever time in your area and sit down and watch the tv shows because maybe you'd never be able to see them again you don't have all these other avenues like you do now to watch them and i think what that what that's creating is the ratings are down overall for tv because it, people know that they'll have another shot at it they'll have another chance to watch this stuff and what's happening, and it's having kind of a bad effect on some things, is that's that's giving shows that are trying to start out uh, not a very good leg up because then people are saying, well, you know, I'll watch maybe an episode of that or I'll watch it when it comes on, uh, you know, online in some way or maybe the whole – I know a lot of people that don't hardly ever watch. I know one guy that I work with that doesn't ever watch really network TV. He always watches them later when they come out in season sets like via Netflix streaming. But things will never get to that point. You will never have multiple seasons and things of shows if they don't get the ratings and the support when they first start. So I guess all I'm saying is if there's a show that looks interesting to you and something you'd watch, you know, maybe try to watch it at first, especially if you're a person that's actually being counted in the ratings. You know, I, I know they can, you know, tap into DVR information and TiVos and, and that. Or if you, are, you know, happen to be one of those select few that is actually a Nielsen, got a little Nielsen electronic box, or I know they hand out paper guides. I think a long time ago, one time, or very, very long time ago, gosh, maybe 20 years or more, I think I actually got one of those that they wanted me to fill out. You know, basically it was a handwritten thing. You wrote in what shows you watched on what night and, and sent it back into them after a week or two or whatever. Uh, but anyway, the you know, it's it's too bad because there used to be most shows would at least get a season to kind of catch on. 
and you know they could get a fair idea of what people thought of it but now i i, I just think that everyone with all the time shifting it's 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 difficult. So there's my little uh, rant or little uh, <laughs> not a rant, but uh, support for shows. If you like them, try to watch them when you can and when they're on. I mean, I certainly time shift things, but I do try to watch them within maybe a you know a week or so of them being on the air. I don't. Uh, I, I I like watching regular you know TV in terms of I like to watch an episode and then have a week or so to think about it and then have, watch another episode. I know some people f- prefer to have you know the whole thing there, sit down and watch like a whole season in a day. But I've never liked it that way. I think it, it, it loses something in a way. I think it becomes a little less interesting and a little less dramatic when you're just being, you know, when it, there's no suspense. When, when you know a lot of shows, there'll be something big that'll happen or things that'll happen. And if you can just bang pop in the next episode right after that, I, I think that affects the impact maybe the series has on you so it's just my personal view i don't think that's true with a lot of with certain series like a comedy for example i don't think there's a big deal with sitting down and watching a bunch of those but shows like you know 24 when that was on the air and 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 lost and that i think i think a lot of the fun of it is talking over things with people and what's going to happen next and what's what did that mean and all that between the episodes and and if you just sit down and watch a whole season at once you know, a year or two later, it certainly isn't quite the same. So that's just me. I am going to take a short break and we're going to get into timeless because I've talked and gabbed about way or spent too much time probably already. <laughs> it's going to be a long podcast, can already tell. So I'll be right back. This is Vartok again with another Treks in Sci-Fi movie review. For today's segment, I'm going to talk about the 2010 sci-fi thriller movie titled Monsters, a film written and directed by Gareth Edwards. Gareth also did the storyboarding and special effects. This small budget indie film, reputed to cost between $500 and $800,000 to create, Using a two-man film crew and $8,400 of off-the-shelf cameras, editors, and digital effects programs was released October 29th in the U.S. and December 3rd in the U.K. In the background, you are listening to the most popular track titled Candles from the movie soundtrack and composed by John Hopkins, which is available on iTunes. What is Monsters About? Well, I'm not going to give very much away, since you may want to watch this movie yourself at home. At the very beginning of the film, the following text is related to the audience. Six years ago, NASA discovered the possibility of alien life within our solar system. A space probe was launched to collect samples, but broke up during re-entry over Mexico. Soon after, new life forms began to appear, and half the country was quarantined as an infected zone. Today, the Mexican and U.S. military still struggled to contain the creatures. 
The movie starts out at night with your point of view inside of an army Humvee, and I'm afraid the soldiers are not paying much attention. We've located one male and one female. We're headed in. Come on, it's not safe. Let's go. Restricted area. Sir, get you out of here. That's my theme song. Everybody needs a theme song. How far are we from base? I don't know. We probably got another 20. What most reviews say about Monsters is how well done it is for such a low-budget film. There are really only two actors in the movie who are Scoot McNary as Andrew Calder and Whitney Abel as Samantha Winden. Of interest, in order to get good on-set chemistry, Vertical Films asked Gareth to consider using Scoot and Whitney, since she was Andrew's real-life girlfriend, and later his wife. Now, Andrew is an American photojournalist on assignment in San Jose, Mexico, hoping for his big chance, which is just about to occur after three years of waiting. However, he works for a company run by a rich employer, and the owner asks Andrew to check up on his daughter, who is in a nearby hospital. Let's hear them meet for the first time. Sam? Yeah? Um, my name's Andrew Calder. I, I work for your father's publication. They wanted me to come by here and uh, make sure you're okay. So, uh, is that broken? No. No, it's not. Alright, so you're okay? Yeah. It is at this point that Andrew and Samantha are brought together for the rest of the film as they begin their journey north to the U.S. to return Samantha home. The only problem is that the entire northern half of Mexico is an infected zone, with alien life forms up to 100 feet tall crashing about. So they start out by taking a train to the Mexican west coast in order to get a ferry boat to travel around the infected zone. Only it doesn't happen the way they plan. Dad, the train is here. I gotta go. Can't just call them now? If I don't hang up right now, I'm not gonna make it back. Hey, Sam, Please. get off the phone. The train's leaving. Let's go. Dad, I gotta go. Sam, is that the guy? Sam. Dad, we have to go. Come on, put him on. The phone. We gotta go. He wants to talk. Some critics say the film is too slow-moving, and I don't disagree entirely. Others note that the monsters are only too infrequently shown. Have to agree, but as a result the movie's tension is kept up throughout. So the film is a combination of man reluctantly meets woman, who embark together on the road, with occasional aliens to spice it up.
The film was shot entirely on location in Mexico, Guatemala, Costa Rica, and Texas. For about 90% of the filming, the crew consisted entirely of seven people transported in one van. Most of the extras were non-actors who were persuaded to be in the film, and their action was improvised. The script consisted of paragraphs describing the intent, and the actors were left to create their own lines. This made sense since the non-actors couldn't very well be asked to memorize a script. It is also said that any settings featured in the film were real locations, often used without permission in advance. Later when he got home, Gareth Edwards created 250 visual effects in his bedroom using Adobe software and Autodesk 3DS Max. He started out with a four-hour first draft and edited it down to 94 minutes of R-rated action over the next eight months. However, don't let the seeming casualness of the filming process make you think this is a film to skip over. Monsters has received generally positive reviews from critics, scoring a 6.5 out of 10 on the IMDb, a 4.5 stars out of 5 on Netflix, and a 71% fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes. Interestingly, Bartok also gives this film a 6.5 score, so it is worth watching. It was also nominated for six British Independent Film Awards, winning Best Director, Best Technical Achievement, and Best Achievement in Production Awards. Gareth Edwards has to be pleased. And you can rent it from Netflix for a cozy evening of monsters, as I did. Well, that's it for this Treks and Sci-Fi film review. And now back to you, Rico. Okay, I'm back. Uh, oh, I want to just give one more uh, quick shout-out and thank you to Jedi Jeff and Rick Moyer for the excellent Galactica 1980 podcast last week. Uh, you did great, you know, you guys always do a great job. And it was fun to hear both of you on the same podcast together like that. That's always interesting and, and cool to hear. So, uh, Next up, well, it's Timeless. This episode of Voyager is a definite favorite of mine, and for, for a number of reasons that we'll go over as I um, talk about it. Uh, it just has a very many, very, just has a lot, let's just say, a lot of cool things. Let's go a little bit of background first. This episode was from Season 5, Episode 6 of that season, Production Order uh, production number 201. So it was really officially the 200th episode of Voyager. It first aired on November 18th, 1998. Uh, this episode, the teleplay is by Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski. Uh, the story was by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Joe Minoski, directed by LeVar Burton, Jordi LaForge. The The premise of this episode, in a nutshell, is this, and, and, I, and I always assume... I've never really worried too much about spoilers in, in covering Trek episodes, especially something this one's now, what, about 12-plus years old. Uh, almost the time frame that happens in this episode. Uh, it starts out very cool. The You see a couple of people beam down to this frozen wasteland. looks a lot like Hoth or looks a lot like outside my window right now. <laughs> and they're walking around. They obviously look like they're like Starfleet personnel. They have a tricorder out, and the, one of the... 
greatest, coolest images that ever happened on Voyager and Trek in general was they they come across this icy expanse and they kind of like rub the ground. They're on this um, kind of glacier area. And underneath, through the clear ice, they see, you can see the, the, the top hull, the top primary hull of the Voyager with its, you know, insignia and the name and the, you know, NCC, whatever number it is, seven something, right? <laughs> I only know 1701, sorry. But anyway, they, it's very cool. They don't explain really what's going on. You see Voyager trapped and frozen in this in this block of ice in this major glacier on this nasty little planet. And that's the way this episode starts out. And then you go kind of into the teaser thing. And we're like, well, what the heck is going on? And, and you think, well, it's going to be one of those episodes where... Then they'll say, like, come back and say, you know, a week earlier, and this is how they got in that predicament. Or you don't even really know what's going on. But quickly it turns out that the, what, what's happened here is this is in the future, or at least the future of the Voyager time, where uh, an older Chakotay and Harry Kim uh, have uh, somehow have found Voyager trapped in this ice. And we learned that what happened was 15 years previously there was an accident, a Voyager created this new uh, slipstream drive for the ship to get home quicker. There was an accident when it happened, or when they tried the drive, and that caused the ship to to get trapped and, and crash-landed on this ice planet and basically killed pretty much the whole crew except for Harry and Chakotay. So that is it. They are in the future now, and they are trying to fix what happened in the past. The glacial fractures are stable. We're clear to beam inside. Acknowledged. Not exactly the way I remember it. solid. Decks 9 through 14 are now deck 10. They've been compacted. Looks like they hit the ice at full impulse. EMH? I'm trying to access sickbay. The relays aren't responding. I'm losing the interface. Reset the power cell. Come on! Let's get moving. Keep an open comm link. Yeah, so that clip there is when they, you know, were first um, checking out Voyager. They get inside, and it's all covered in uh, ice and snow, and it's 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 really very cool. Uh, the way they redressed the sets for this episode made them look all frozen and everything like that. A lot of what they use for snow in this episode is actually baking soda uh, sprinkled around on the on the various councils and all that. I always wondered how they clean all that stuff off after they do that. Must take a long time, a lot of vacuum cleaners, I guess. 
but uh, it, it is a, it is a very cool effect. This this episode, I, I don't think I really maybe said a, a lot about that yet at this point. But uh, they did this episode. It, it's a little more elaborate, a little bit more involved. Uh, spent a little bit more money and time filming it because it was the 200th episode. It was sort of a celebration for uh, Voyager. Or uh, hang on a second. I'm sorry. I, I think I've said that a couple of times now. It's not the 200th. It's because production order 200 and, and one, but it's it, they started at number 100 or whatever when they first number. I don't know why they do that. It is the 100th filmed episode of Voyager. 100th, not 200. I apologize for that. So to celebrate that, a lot of times shows that reach you know the milestone of 100 episodes will have sort of a party on the set and, and a cake and, and that. Uh, it um, they decided to do this special episode for this uh, in the fifth season here, and and they sort of parallel that. There's a scene where they're uh, christening this new slipstream drive, and there's champagne and ca- confetti being thrown around and all that. So that a nice little parallel there between that and their hundredth episode for the show for uh, what actually takes place in the show. Next clip. Uh, this is, I think, when they first discover or, or get back the doc, the holographic doctor, uh, when Harry uh, brings him back aboard uh, the Delta Flyer that they've uh, commandeered to um, go back and try to uh, fix this thing that happened with Voyager. Please state the nature of... Long time no see. Henson. I go by Harry now. It's a long story. Where's your mobile emitter? What's happened to the ship? The crew? No time. The emitter. It's in here, but... Here. Slap it on. Let's go. Wait. I demand an explanation. I'll give you one. We're here to change history. That's good. uh, I want to say here, and I'll probably say it a few more times, uh, good clip, but the... um, I really have to say a lot about Garrett, uh, Garrett Wong, who plays uh, Harry Kim. He really does a great job in this episode. He gets a lot to do for a change. And, and I think that his acting and the, the drama and everything and, and his regret over what has happened here, because a lot of, and I'll get into that here shortly, about what, what happened in this this accident that destroyed basically the ship and the crew, uh, it, a lot of it is really kind of his fault to a degree. So he blames himself and that, that causes him to, to, you know, go through this whole process and try to fix this in the past and, and alter history basically. And I think Garrett does a great job in this episode. The next clip that I've got for you is this one's kind of a fun one. This is during the celebration of the, the new uh, slipstream drive on Voyager. The the episode intersperses with sort of the the future uh, Harry and Chakotay trying to fix the past 15 years in the future and then the present uh, Voyager with that's going through what's about to happen where they're going to test the drive out but this little scene I think is mainly between the, this is between Doctor and uh, Seven of Nine and you get a little bit of Harry and Tom Paris at the end and Seven of Nine's been drinking a little so listen to this <laughs> Sitting. My visual processors and motor cortex. They are malfunctioning. Sounds like a problem with your cortical implant. We'd better have a look. Hold still. I cannot comply. You're intoxicated. Impossible. Your blood synthahol level is 0.05%. How many glasses of champagne did you consume? One. Obviously the boar can't hold their liquor. 
Come to sickbay. I'll give you some inaprovaline to counteract the effects. I was simply trying to perfect my social skills, as you instructed me to do. And you're doing a fine job. You have always been of enormous assistance to me, Doctor. You, you are my mentor. Yes. We are as one. We are as one. Did you see that? Mm. I think our drone did a little too much celebrating. Speaking of which, when are you going to join the party? In a minute. You're running a warp core diagnostic now? Harry, I think we built an Edsel. A what? A lemon. A disaster waiting to happen. I ran a simulation last night, and I discovered a 0.42 phase variance in the slipstream threshold. 0.42? So it'll be a bumpy ride. We've flown through worse. If we get knocked out of that slipstream mid-flight, could overload the quantum matrix. Did you tell the captain? Not yet. Didn't want to spoil the festivities until I was sure. Tom, if it'll make you feel better, we'll go to the holodeck right now, run a few more simulations. It's probably just a sensor glitch. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun uh, bit there with, um, at the beginning there with the doctor in Seven, and she's uh, just had a glass of champagne, and... Uh, even though synthahol, I always thought was supposed to. He mentions her synthahol blood level, or blood synthahol level, and it, it's whatever point zero five. And I always thought synthahol was, at least I've read in in the books and stuff, was was like sort of fake fake alcohol, and it wasn't really supposed to affect you unless you you know you could kind of shake off the effects easily or some some little trekky gobbledygook like that. Uh, but obviously, it it bothers her a little bit more. <laughs> She's. She's kind of patting the doctor on, on his on his arm, and you you know you're my mentor. <laughs> and then it goes into the whole thing on Tom and Harry are looking at these diagnostics of the drive and discovering this variance in in whatever a problem with it. Now, one of my you know, and I never like to nitpick too much. I'm not much of a nitpicker anyway. But a couple things come to mind in this episode. First is. This, they've been working on this drive for months, you know, building it, I'm sure running all kinds of simulations and tests and things like that. Okay. Now, so Tom Paris, just he's kind of at the party and he's running a few diagnostics and he discovers this phase variance that they talk about in this episode. And then Harry and, and him eventually go on the holodeck and run through a lot of simulations and find this problem out. It, it, it's like now, right now, they've never seen this until at this until this point in time. It kind of doesn't really ring true exactly for me. It, that that seems a little odd. Although, of course, your main characters you want to use them and have them discover these things. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? Maybe Tom checked a few things that no one else did, and, and you know, since he's the helmsman and pilot of Voyager, I don't know. But that's what just a kind of tiny little bit of a, a you know one little thing that kind of bugged me about the episode as I was watching it again. And then they go, they go through and they find out there are these problems, you know, with this this drive that it, it it's unstable and and so what happens is Harry Harry Kim comes up with a plan and he presents this idea that uh, he's going to they're going to use the Delta Flyer or a shuttle. He he first says a shuttle, but they end up using the Delta Flyer and going ahead of Voyager to sort of anticipate these uh, problems with the the. the the slipstream, this sort of warp drive, uh, you know, super warp drive that they're creating this little wormhole and, uh, and allow them to 
correct for these problems before Voyager kind of hits them. And, and I guess it kind of makes sense a little bit. The Delta Flyer being a smaller vessel should be a little bit more maneuverable, should be able to handle that ahead of them a little bit more than Voyager so that Voyager then could correct more appropriately. And in time, you know, it's, a, it's you know, it, that works for me. I'm okay with that idea. And Harry convinces the captain. I think this next clip includes this a little bit uh, about this plan that Harry comes up with with, um, with sort of... Um, using this uh, ship ahead of the Voyager to help them get through the, this wormhole. A highly experimental piece of technology. There were bound to be setbacks. The Benamite crystals at the heart of this engine have already started to decay. It could take years to synthesize more. I don't know about the rest of you. But I didn't do all this work just to be stopped by a .42 phase variance. No offense, Captain. Undaken. All right, Mr. Kim. You've convinced me. Prepare a flight plan and have it on my desk within the hour. Yes, ma'am. I'll let you know what I decide. Come in. Commander, I hope you've got an appetite. Vanished. But I assumed you called me here to talk about the slipstream flight. No reason to cancel our dinner plant. I programmed a dish my grandmother used to make back on Earth. Vegetable biryani. Sounds delicious. I didn't know you could cook. Normally I draw the line in a pot of coffee. But tonight is a special occasion. Oh? Our last night in the Delta Quadrant. I'd say that's special enough. You've made your decision. We launch tomorrow at 0800. You and Harry will take the Delta Flyer. Voyager will be right behind you. The crew will be pleased. You can give them the news yourself. After dessert. What about you, Chicote? What do you think about my decision? I've analyzed Harry's flight plan. The theory is sound. But there are just too many variables. If something goes wrong in that slipstream... This could be our only chance to use the quantum drive. True. But if you showed this data to any Starfleet engineer, they'd think we were out of our minds. We can find another way home. We've waited this long. Long enough. We've waited long enough. I know it's a risk. Probably our biggest one yet. But I'm willing to take it. Are you with me? Always. Yeah, it's a good clip. There are a lot of interesting things going on there. Harry is 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 really adamant about getting home. Uh, it, it's I, I like that. I, I like that they you know he is the one that comes up with the plan. He's the one that's really pushing for it. Uh, what what you kind of maybe don't really get is you don't really get exactly why it's him. There's no really why behind it. I mean, he has the probably the smarts and the ideas, you know, to, to come up with this stuff, although he's a little bit wrong <laughs> and, and things go, you know, badly. But, you know, I, I'm okay with them using him out, out, out of the crew. I mean, I guess that he would be the logical one. Him or maybe Tom would, would be that, you know, would be the ones that would probably come up with that kind of an idea. Although they could have probably used Seven of Nine, too, in a way because of, uh, but she gets used in a different way in this episode, but her being the, a Borg and 
she's always being very skeptical anyway. She, it would have been an idea, you know, another idea would have been to use her, but then that would have changed the way they did the, the future part a bit with using her to transmit a message um, from her cortical implant back in the past. And it, it, it's complicated, <laughs> time travel. Uh, next clip, I think we've got one here. This is, I think, in the future, yeah, when uh, I think it's Harry mostly and, and talking to the doctor and going over what their what their plan is and what what they're uh, going to try to how they're going to try to fix all this and and come up with a way to um, change the past. Fifteen years, give or take a few weeks. Where are we? In the Takara sector, just outside the Alpha Quadrant. The crew, except for us, dead. We think Captain Jane. We tried to make an emergency landing on this planet. The ship must have been too heavily damaged. They were all killed on impact. You've been buried inside a glacier for the past 15 years. You two were here. On the Delta Flyer, ahead of Voyager. You made it. All the way back to Earth. We got home, Doc. And all it took was killing everyone we cared about. Harry! Starfleet certainly took their time finding us. Starfleet. Starfleet gave up their search for Voyager over nine years ago. We had to find you on our own. Well, I don't know what to say except thank you. I suppose I'd have stayed in that deep freeze forever. We're not here to salvage your program. We're here to prevent this disaster from ever happening. You see, Doc, 15 years ago, I miscalculated the slipstream threshold and transmitted the wrong phase corrections to Voyager. They were knocked out of the slipstream and sent to an icy death. Thank you, Ensign Kim. But I've had a long time to rethink my mistake. And now I know how to fix it. So, we're going to send Voyager a new set of phase corrections. Isn't it a little late for that? We found a way to communicate with Voyager in the past, just before the accident. Better late than never. A message back through time? Exactly. How? I don't understand. One of her cranial implants is a transceiver, designed to communicate with other drones. That's right, it's called an interplexing beacon. We want you to extract the beacon and determine its translink frequency. That shouldn't be a problem. She looks reasonably well-preserved. Good. That'll tell us where to send the message. Now, the hard part, we need to know when to send it. Can you access Seven's chronometric node and pinpoint the exact moment her cybernetic implants disengaged from her organic systems? Her time of death? Down to the millisecond, if possible. I'll see what I can do. I told you would come in handy. You said you found a way to communicate with Seven in the past. How? Behold. Salvage component 36698. A Borg temporal transmitter. Starfleet intelligence found it in the wreckage of a Borg cube in the Beta Quadrant. We stole it. Yeah, so they've uh, they've got uh, a hold of this Borg temporal transmitter, which is a, a pretty darn cool piece of technology. And it, and you know, it's 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 one of those things that Trek is is kind of good for, but it, it comes off a little bit maybe. Uh, well, 
you know, they needed something. You need a way to transmit a, a message to the past. Okay, so how, how do you do that? You know, what I, it, I'd be interested to be in, you know, a fly on the wall in some of the script and story, you know, concepts and ideas for this. I guess they could have done, you know, the time travel and, and Star Trek are not, you know, they're not unknown. It, it happens quite a few times. And, of course, they... They, they sometimes on Voyager, I think they had a tendency to come up with new ways, and it's interesting. And I'm okay again. That's a, that's an okay thing. You need a piece of tech. You need a way to get a message to the past. So uh, that that's um, that's good. It works for me. And because of that, they, you know, they go through. They they've stolen the Delta Flyer from a Starfleet shipyard. They stole this piece of Borg tech. So uh, you know, Chakotay and Harry have have basically become outlaws, become criminals t- in order to change the past and an alter history and of course there's this temporal prime directive that starfleet has that says you know even though we know we have ways of doing time travel it's it is possible we know it works and things they don't really allow it their their point is is that the past is the past if we have people bumping you know jumping back in in the in time or altering things in the past that can have you know crazy repercussions on the present and of course that gets into the whole headache inducing idea of well if you know if the past is the past then how how can you change it because it's already you know you're 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 already here you wouldn't be here if you've already changed the past and you know it's the whole back to the future syndrome that whole problem the way i've always kind of thought about that and even you know even i haven't thought about it that much the only way you can kind of almost reconcile it is it's always there still it's like there's this one long, big string, and it's always kind of in flux. And that only when you get to the point in time in the future we actually change the past as the past become changed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I guess it kind of does a little bit. Who knows? It makes for a dramatic story in sci-fi. Let's just put it that way and leave it at that. Uh, if, you, if you start to think too much about that one, I think you just become annoyed and get a headache. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is just a great episode. One little thing that I was, as I was watching it this morning and getting the clips together that I really noticed, are just there's a few little touches, and one of them is uh, Harry, the future Harry, we'll call him, future Harry, he, uh, he, he's just a lot more kind of cool. He's just a lot more, even though he's, he's kind of, you know, sad and depressed and angry and all this, but he's got a lot, a lot more emotion going on, obviously. Then and and everything that's got, he's gone through, it makes sense that that's the case. But he, it's kind of fun, and and he and he slaps the dock. He slaps the dock on his on his on the side of his arm on his shoulder a lot of times. You know, like good to see you again, Doc. You know, and and okay, well let's get let's get to it, Doc. And he slaps him on the arm, and I just think it's a cool little thing that he does. And I wonder if that was something that Garrett came up with, or if it was just written into the you know into the script in a way you know then you you pat you know the doctor on the arm or something like that i always wonder about little stuff like that how much the actors really come up with those things and put them into the story and the filming or they're actually being directed by the director uh, lavar burton in this case and or if you know whatever it's actually written out in the script because there are you know directions like you know walk across the room or you know smile or whatever it happens to be in the script you know things things are written in there for the actors to do not just their lines but uh, i i just noticed that and i thought it was pretty fun i like that uh, that part and, and lavar does a great job this is a good episode and speaking of that the next clip 
uh, has a, a Captain LaForge. Captain LaForge of the future is sent in a starship. Uh, Starfleet sends him off to capture and stop these guys in the Delta Flyer because they kind of know what they're up to. And that is the next clip coming up right now. Could buy us some time. Open a channel. This is Captain LaForge of the Starship Challenger. You seem to be in quite a hurry. You could say that. Why don't you shut down those impulse engines, drop your shields? Let's talk about this face to face. Mind if I take a rain check? As a matter of fact, I do. We know what you're about to attempt, and we can't let that happen. So the Federation Council is willing to make you an offer. Hand over the Borg transmitter, stand down your vessel, and the charges of conspiracy will be dropped. That's not much of an offer. If we succeed, those charges will never have existed in the first place. If you succeed, countless lives will be affected. We're here to save 150 lives. Our crew. I understand. And I might be doing the same thing if I were in your position, but I've got my own crew to protect. Not to mention 15 years of history. So, I'm asking you again. Stand down and return the transmitter. You know I can't do that. And you know I have to try to stop you. Yes, I know. Good luck. Same to you. They're targeting our engines. Shields to full. Stand by weapons. Yeah, so in the future, it looks like, you know, we get LaForge. He's, he's got, been given captain of a starship. He's wearing uh, the movie uniform style thing. He's got the sort of uh, future... Uh, time uh, that you saw in All Good Things. He's got that little different combat jaw. So it's neat. I like it. He's, he's using, uh, he's got the optical kind of implants. He's not using the Geordi visor anymore. And it's fun to see that, uh, fun to see that connection between a TNG and Voyager there at that point in this episode, uh, even though it's in the future. So they're trying to stop him. And I, and I like the fact that he doesn't just blow him away or do anything like that. You know, he's trying to reason with him. So Next up, I think we're getting uh, pretty much winding down towards the end. The, the, what they do here to go through the story, if you haven't watched this in a while, it is up in the streaming fun stuff area on the forum, so you should be a forum member and check it out. But uh, the next, Harry sends a message first. He tries to send coordinates back to Seven of Nine uh, or, or you know, to alter their course or whatever they call it to, to deal with this slipstream that they're in. It doesn't work. The first ones that he has calculated, he spent years working on these these numbers and these equations. It doesn't work. Nothing changes. They still have this same, they run into the same trouble and problem. And he's he's getting very frustrated. And they decide to send a, a new message through. Uh, I think in this next clip you'll hear about this. I think it's the doctor. Uh, maybe it was the doctor that kind of comes up with the idea, but he also brings Harry back to reality a little bit because Harry's just getting pretty upset, and there's they're running out of time. They've overloaded their engines on the Delta Flyer, and it's going to blow up, of course. <laughs> Nothing like not having much time, you know, when you're, you're trying to solve a, a complex problem. So here is this clip uh, towards the end of the episode when they're, they decided to, well, if they can't fix their course and get them back home, they will they will send uh, a set of uh, numbers and coordinates that will actually break Voyager free of this slipstream and save them that way. How's it coming back there? Great, just great. It took ten years to make these corrections. I can't fix it in three minutes. You've got to try. I can't. It's not working. Why won't it work? 
I killed them! Control yourself! They trusted me and I killed them! Mr. Kim! I didn't spend all those years in an ice bucket so I could listen to you berate yourself. If you want to wallow in self-pity, fine! Do it on your own time! Don't you see? History is repeating itself! I destroyed Voyager once and I'm doing it again! Somebody has got to knuckle down and change history and that somebody is you. It can't be done, Doc. I told you. No. You told me you can't correct their phase variants. All right, we have to accept that. But what about sending Voyager a warning? Is there a way to get them to abort the slipstream flight? Yes. Yes. I could send a phase correction which would disperse the slipstream entirely. If we can't get the crew home, at least we can save their lives. Warning. Warp core breach in 60 seconds. Can you eject the core? No. The emergency systems are offline. Forge to Delta Flyer. Our sensors are reading an overload in your warp matrix. Lower your shields. We'll beam you out of there. I appreciate the offer, Captain. But the answer's no. I suggest you get to a safe distance. Warning. Warp core breach in 45 seconds. Harry, now would be a good time. Mr. King. It's losing power. Warning. Warp core breach in 30 seconds. Emitter. It's got its own power source. Would it be enough? It's our only chance. Glad you could join us, Doc. It's been a pleasure. Warning. Warp core breach in 15 seconds. Chakotay, I'm giving this one more try. Warning. Warp core breach in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, Two. Yes! Captain, I am receiving a transmission. I thought you said the comlink was down. It is. The signal is being routed through one of my cranial implants. It contains a new set of phase corrections. Does Harry know how to access your Borg systems? No. Must have figured out a way. Enter the corrections. Captain, the quantum drive just went offline. We're dropping to impulse. Captain, we've lost the slipstream. The slipstream collapsed. We were thrown out right along with Voyager. Our comm system's back up. Delta Flyer to Voyager, what happened? You miscalculated, Harry. We entered the exact phase corrections you sent to seven of nine. They shut down the quantum drive. Captain, I didn't send any corrections to Seven of Nine. She received a message through one of her cranial implants. It wasn't you? No, ma'am. Yeah, so we, we basically, the, you know, Voyager is saved. It changes, you know, basically you presume that it's changed the future. You've not, they don't really show you that again. It's, you know, the, the last thing you see is the Delta Flyer blowing up. And then you go back to the past, uh, Voyager and the Delta Flyer in the past fall out of the slipstream and everything's okay. They've actually, it actually did still help them. They got 10 years or so closer to home, so it moved them along good. But then they realized after a further study that this is, you know, this drive is a bad idea and they, they dismantle and take it offline and, and go back to using good old warp drive. You know, Zephram Cochran, you know, he came up with the right way to do it, so. 
The end, though, there's a cool little bit in the episode earlier on, about midway or so. You see Harry working a council, and he's and he's actually recording this little message. And it's it's just a quick little thing that you don't really see much of, but we get it at the very end through this transmission. This last message he sends to Seven of Nine, the future Harry, sends back. Uh, they discover there's this embedded code, a security code that belongs to Harry Kim, and they realize this is a message from the future. It has a temporal date code on it somehow i don't know how they do all this it's you know it's techno babble like they like to do on trek sometimes but it is a message from future harry to present harry which is uh, pretty cool and that is the next clip which will be the last clip from the episode i'm going to play how could i have sent the message in the first place am i making any sense my advice in making sense of temporal paradoxes is simple don't even try to me all that matters is that somewhere, somehow, sometime, you come through for us. Well, if you won't take it from me, take it from you. Seven found a log entry encoded in the telemetry. From Harry Kim. To Harry Kim. That uh, that pretty much finishes out uh, this episode of uh, Voyager called Timeless. I think it's a great episode. It has a it was uh, I believe. Let me look at my uh, memory alpha entry here. It was a nominated. Let's see. The episode was nominated for an Emmy Award and Outstanding Special Effects for a Series. Trek nearly swept the nominees that year. Also nominated for the Voyager episode Dark Frontier. Dark Frontier. Thirty Days in DS9s. What you leave behind. Dark Frontier actually was the one that won for effects. The uh, yeah, so you get to see lots of cool things in this episode. We you know we get to see future Chakotay with this wife. I didn't even mention you. you um, I don't know. If they really mentioned that he's his wife. There, he. I think Harry just says they're together. There's a a guest star here in this episode, uh, Tessa, who is played by actress Christine Harness. And basically it's it's somebody, a woman that Chakotay has met in the future and is helping them to to change the past. And I, there was a clip I didn't, I almost collected, but I didn't. There's a, there's a cool clip where the, the two of them, Chakotay and Tessa, go back to Voyager to collect some more data and information they need. And there's a scene on the bridge, I believe it takes place, where Chakotay saying, you know, if we really succeed in with the, this whole plan and change the past 
and alter things, he'll never probably have met her. And, you know, she supports him, though, because she realizes that, you know, his place is on Voyager. His, you know, he can't live with himself either, just even though Harry blames himself uh, probably more. But he has to fix this. This this should not have happened, and he wants to fix what's happened. So it's um, it's a good scene, you know. And the idea of somebody, you know, your your you know you know, your spouse or your you know your your lady or you know or husband or whatever it happens to be, somebody you care about and love, and and the idea that what you might be doing altering the past may you know allow you that whole thing where you'd never meet them. You know that that kind of idea has come up in track and in other stories and you know that's a it's a kind of a classic idea and i i I like the way they handle it in this episode there's just a lot of good stuff here Uh, a great episode of voyager from season five so now i am going to quiet uh, my comments down (laughs) quiet down rico and ah third person i haven't done that in a while so next we're going to get some more tea i'm going to have my green tea my uh, slip uh, sip of that slip of that slipstream of tea (laughs) And I'm going to play some comments. We've got three or four to play here, I think. First up, we have Joe. We have Billy Bob from the forums. We, ha- we haven't heard from him in a bit. And I-, I believe he was able to do a comment on his snow day this week. So, hey, yay for snow day. And here's Joe. Hey, Rico. Hey, Trex and Sci-Fi. Joe from Toronto here. Billy Bob 476 on the Trex and Sci-Fi forums. Long time no comment. But since uh, I'm kind of trapped working out of my basement today due to uh, the snowstorm that seems to be taking over North America, I figured I would send in some comments for the Voyager episode, Timeless. So this was a very enjoyable Voyager episode. Um, I know I've always thought that Voyager had, you know, there were some points where some of the episodes were a bit weaker than in the other series, but this is most definitely not one of those. Uh, It starts right off the bat. Very interesting. I really love it when uh, teases for TV shows start off with some kind of crazy situation that the viewer doesn't understand. So, you know, we see two figures on this icy planet, and then all of a sudden we find out that, you know, the Voyager is crashed under ice, and, you know, you're kind of like, oh my god, what's what's going on? And that kind of starts things off with a bang, and, and I like that kind of thing. Um, so the main point of this episode, I, I think, is that it's kind of a study of uh, what guilt can do to a person and how guilt can change a person. Uh, most specifically in this episode with Harry, obviously blaming himself for, quote-unquote, messing up or sending the wrong calculations, uh, which leads to the the death of, of 150 people, all of his friends, and, uh, and then the guilt of, of being the one that's left, and not only being the one that's left, but being the one that caused the problem. And, you know, that guilt with him, and I guess with Chakotay to a lesser degree, uh, changed them. It changed the people who they were, and it, it changed them essentially into bad people. And I guess that, that begs the question of, you know, is doing bad things like you know treason and stealing and possibly killing and everything um, for, I guess, what you think is a good reason. Does that make it right, or is the world more black and white? And, well, if you do something wrong, it's still wrong. So, anyways, I thought uh, that kind of uh, the main storyline, which I guess really there wasn't much of a B story in this episode, uh, was quite thought-provoking in that regard. Uh, And on top of that, there there were some fun side moments as well in this episode, like right at the beginning at the party, Seven of Nine getting uh, intoxicated and 
you know, hanging off of the doctor. I guess uh, most of us have, have experienced that once or twice. Um, and then, of course, the big fun thing from this episode was uh, was the cameo of, of LeVar Burton as Captain Jordy LaForge. And I thought, actually, that that interchange that he had with Chakotay right near the end of the episode where he kind of acknowledged that, well, you know, in your situation, I might be doing the same thing, but do you do realize that I have to try and stop you? Uh, I thought that was very well acted on, on both uh, LeVar Burton's part and... Uh, and Chakotay's part. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, awesome episode. Uh, really well done. Really thought-provoking. Really well-directed. Thanks to thanks to LeVar Burton directing it. And um, I guess that's it. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks for listening. Well, thanks, Joe, for your comments. Uh, great to hear from you. We have to hear some more. We, we need more snow days so Joe can send in more comments. And you know what I was thinking about when I was doing this episode and, and getting it? We have this massive snowstorm this week. And what episode am I looking at? Ah, oh, this, this episode that starts out with Voyager trapped in this big chunk of ice and snow and all that. So, uh, and, and my car was like that the other day. Ah, oh, I hated that. Uh, finally, yesterday, got it cleaned off a little bit. Went to the, one of those squirt-off places and... So why am I talking about that? Anyway, it, it just seemed a little weird. It's it's funny how that's happened a few times, uh, quite a few times actually over the years. I schedule a certain episode, and then there's some kind of like little hidden little connection or meaning to what's going on in in, in real life uh, for me. Uh, it, it's it's very odd. Next week, Indiana Jones. So we'll see what connection can be formed there, Joe. But yeah, great comments about uh, you know what this is about. You know, kind of the end justifying the means. You know, these guys are generally considered heroes, good guys, Starfleet. You know all that, and, and they start doing these bad things, you know, how far would they go? It, it, it's hard to say. Of course, you, you don't see them actually killing anyone. You know, I guess that's that's a bit. Stealing, you know, hijacking the Delta Flyer, stealing this Borg tech uh, and all that. It, eh, you know, Kirk has certainly done his fair share of that stuff in the past. So, uh, but yeah, very thought, thought-provoking. I think these guys do a great job. They're, at, they're acting here. And I also agree that that little bit of exchange between uh, Jordy and Chakotay uh, between Robert Beltran and LeVar Burton is, is very well done. Very short, you know, or, but it, it, it's just great. And, and you know, Jordy, you know, back in the TNG days, would do anything to, to save them too. So it, it, it's just cool, and, and they do a great job. Next up, we've got Mike, I think, uh, Feathers from the forum. Uh, Mike's uh, comments are always great, and here's what he has to say about Timeless. Hey, Rico, Mike from London. Obviously on a bit of a podcast commenting role here because I've got a another one for you and it's revealing the advantages of working at home one day a week which means I've got an empty house I can wander about and think and talk and nobody's going to get in the way or wonder why on earth I'm talking into my phone and I should say talking into my phone held like a microphone rather than a telephone but all off topic timeless um, again it's not one I have seen recently I've, I've rewatched all of Voyager over the last Sort of three four years probably as it was cycling through virgin one television channel over here and not all of them i remember but timeless is one of the ones i do now whether it's because i'm british and therefore by definition grew up on a diet of doctor who and time travel i don't know um i've always liked time travel stories it's it's one of the science fiction elements that I don't know, my, my brain reacts to, if you like, it It always keys something off and, you know, there are various theories of the way all of this can work or not. And I like to see other writers' mechanisms putting this into practice and exploring what's going on. I mean, in this case, the 
the closed loop scenario where something happens that changes a causal event that meant the thing that then happened couldn't possibly have happened. So, assuming you're playing this after you've reviewed the episode, the fact that uh, Voyager no longer crashed on the ice planet because uh, Kim and Chakotay and the Doctor had managed to change the flow of time meant that the message that Kim in the past received from Kim in the future was actually completely impossible and could never have been sent. And how does time work and handle all of that sort of thing? Fascinating concepts. But into the episode itself, I mean, the other two things, really. I mean, Voyager, going back to the roots of Star Trek really being a ship out in the middle of nowhere, you get an awful lot of ship-based stuff. Not all of the planetary stuff that they used as variations necessarily worked as well, though I have to say a lot of it did. But it was nice to be into another environment. Okay, there were other Delta Flyer episodes as well, but other than the, the, the finale of the series, they didn't delve into time at the end of the future too too much and it, it's always interesting to get a take on on characters as they will become uh got a, a bit of a kick out of that the whole mechanism of trying to reroute voyager and prevent the accident from happening i thought was was really quite clever i sometimes have a problem with the way they pull technical solutions not star trek particularly science fiction in general the way they pull technical solutions out of the ether and oh we'll have magic widgety grab number seven and, and that'll sort us out Enough has been established about the Borg over time that, uh, albeit you're trying to transmit a signal back through time, which sort of gloss over the science of that, but, you know, enough has been revealed that it was plausible to me. I, I could live with that. Bringing the Forge into it, I wouldn't say it was a stroke of genius, but obviously for all them sort of TNG fans, it was, it was pleasant to see another Galaxy-class starship and a character we knew in command. Clearly, LeVar Burton, as, as director, had himself available to do that, so I, I think it was a wise choice. Some might say he was just sort of grandstanding his own Star Trek career, but I, I thought it was a good move. I, I did enjoy it, just didn't take up an awful lot of screen time, and uh, was a nice nod to the, to the fans of the earlier series. And thinking about it, actually having another Starfleet vessel in there of a different design, you had it with the Equinox... You had it to a degree with the one that I can't remember, the um, ship that broke up into lots of parts and fought off the Romulans in, in one episode where the Doctor got back to the Alpha Quadrant. It's nice to see other Starfleet vessels in there. So I think what I'm saying overall is this was an episode that pushed all the right buttons for me. It is probably one of my favourites. Couldn't tell you where it went on a list. I've never sat down with however many hundreds of episodes there are and worked it out in order, but, but this is up there somewhere. When I looked it up, it was probably Wikipedia or Memory Alpha or something, it actually came up a little bit earlier in the run than I expected. But, uh, it, it, you know, I had it pegged as a Season 6, Season 7 episode when they were really firing on all cylinders. I think it was something like 4 or 5. So, uh, all credit to them. It was a good one. Cheers. Well, thanks, Mike, again for commenting on Timeless. Uh, yeah, it's a great episode, and I agree with a lot of everything you said. Uh, time travel is always, always definitely fun to watch. Trek, of course, is, uh, became pretty proficient at doing uh, time travel shows, and this one being a very good one on Voyager. And I, I, I think regarding one little thing I was going to say regarding what you said about um, LeVar Burton and Geordi, I think it was kind of important, actually, and I think it was better than just being some generic throwaway captain there because, like Joe had mentioned and I mentioned too, that, that bit of exchange there where, where they have in the script about, you know, 
I, I might do the same thing if I was in your shoes. Since most of the people watching this episode are probably familiar with Jordy and how close he was to, you know, Data and other people on, on TNG, you know his character a little bit more. And I think that gives it a little bit more strength in, in you, you can understand a little bit more what he's saying and, and believe it uh, rather than just, you know, Captain, you know, Smith aboard, whatever, the starship, whatever. So, and of course he was there directing, so it worked for that reason too. But, um, but anyway, thank you for your comments. And another one we've got here from Kenny. Kenny, of course, big Voyager fan, and I'm so glad that he had some time to send us a comment about Timeless. So here's Kenny. Hey Rico, it's Kenny from California and Knights of the Guild podcast, also from the MASH 4077 podcast. Just wanted to send in my quick comments about this fantastic Voyager episode, Timeless. This is one of my favorite Voyager episodes. Even though it, you know the, the, the main cast really isn't involved in this episode, it's pretty much a, a Harry Kim and Chakotay episode. And of course the Doctor comes, you know, plays a part of it towards the end. But I don't know, I think it's just because... It opens with such a huge, huge event with the Voyager crashing on that ice planet. And I just think the the effects were incredible. And, you know, it's just one of those things. It's the same thing, you know, you felt the same way when you watched Enterprise, uh, when the saucer section crashed in Generations. There's just something about seeing these majestic, huge ships that, you know, they don't normally land on planets. And these ones come crashing down. And it's just something very, very cool about it. And the episode was really neat. I love time travel episodes and this one was really cool because it was they were trying to use you know the slipstream to uh, advance to getting home quicker and you know obviously we knew it wasn't going to work so something had to happen but I did enjoy this episode and Harry Kim is normally one of my favorite Voyager characters but I think he you know he was obviously the main focus because he was the one who came up with the idea he felt guilty that you know he killed all of his uh, crew members and only he and and Chakotay survived but um, yeah this was an extremely tense episode it was a very very cool storytelling it had everything that a Star Trek episode should have it also had LeVar Burton as Geordi which was fantastic that was such a cool surprise guest appearance him captaining his own ship and and Will Robert also directed this episode, which I thought was really, really cool. So all in all, it was a fantastic Voyager episode, one of my favorites. I'm so glad you're doing a podcast on it because it deserves its own podcast. And I look forward to listening to it. So take care, Rico. Well, thanks, Kenny. Thank you for your comments. I know you love Voyager and great to hear what you have to say about this. You know, one thing I was thinking about, about Harry and how much he blamed himself, you know, the, the 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 truth is that what he really goofed up on was talking them into even doing this. You know, they're not really all that inclined to do it. Chakotay doesn't like the idea that they're going to use this drive. She, and and Harry's the one that pushes him into this plan about using the, the Delta Flyer and the, and the shuttle ahead, you know, to transmit the correction coordinates back to them and all that. It isn't really the, the fact that he transmits the wrong coordinates because he learns in the future that that doesn't even work, that that even with coordinates he's recalculated, it still doesn't work. So basically, there's just no real way, at least at this point, for him to do it. The, the, his real uh, failure, in a way, was when he just first talks them into even attempting to do this. And, you know, just a little thing to note, but I just thought that was kind of interesting and not a real big deal. He still blames himself, which uh, which is obvious. So, um, 
We've got another one here. We've got uh, Rick Moyer. Of course Rick would be doing uh, some comments and a song for us. You know, it just wouldn't be the same without that. So take it away, Rick. Hey, Rico, this is Rick Moyer, Moyer777 from the forums and the co-host of Taken With You, the podcast that I do with my wife, Amy. And boy, I love this episode of Voyager timeless what a cool thing i love it whenever they do time travel it's just a really cool thing and in particular in this one it's kind of fun to see chakotay and to see harry um older and you know they did they did pretty good effects on them they i mean they didn't look too different than they normally did but uh, they definitely looked aged fun to see the the uh voyager encased in ice that was just such a great shot at the very beginning when they the, when they pull up and it and you realize that they're standing on top of this big ice field and underneath it is voyager that's just a really cool shot of course, I always love it when we get to see some of our friends from TNG, and we got to see Jordy LaForge, Captain Jordy LaForge of the Challenger, and that was nice as well. Anyway, cool, really cool episode of what could be. Love it how he sends a message to himself, Harry does, um, into the past from the future, and then at the end of the show, of course, they play that message, and that's just a real clincher to it. So, of course, I had to uh, do a parody song. This one cried out for foreigners cold as ice, and so I aptly renamed it Encased in Ice. It's all about this episode called Timeless from Voyager. Thanks, Rico, for everything you do. I hope everybody enjoys this song called Encased in Ice. May I introduce the next generation of instellar propulsion, the quantum slipstream drive. You're encased in ice. You're stuck in the ice from up above. Kimmy gave some bad advice, and someday he'll pay the price I know. The glitch in the drive, a dangerous stunt. Harry's idea with the shuttle in front. Buried in time, Harry wants it right. tricky, but I think it could work. What we need is someone in a shuttle to ride the rapids in front of Voyager. Yes. Voyager's encased in ice. The doctor, he helps with their plan. Can you seven Shut down those impulse engines, drop your shields. Let's talk about this face to face. 
Mind if I take a rain check? As a matter of fact, I do. We know what you're about to attempt, and we can't let that happen. So the Federation Council is willing to make you an offer. Encased in Ice, uh, another classic from Mr. Moyer. Thanks so much, Rick, for doing that. Uh, I, I love I love that Foreigner song to begin with, and, and now it's it's fantastic with your take on it. And everyone should visit StarTrekParodies.com, Rick Moyer's uh, new site, which he's got all of his uh, Star Trek parodies and other parodies that he's done for, for us, and uh, it's just a great place, and you can listen to them all, download them, put them on your iPod or whatever you've got to listen to uh, music on. It's just, it's just fantastic. So thanks again, Rick, for that, and thanks for your comments, and, and thanks for your comments, everyone, about this uh, just great episode of Voyager, Timeless. It, it's really a great one, and it'll still be up on the forum uh, player there for, for anyone who wants to watch it again anytime soon, and, and thanks... Uh, I didn't get a chance to mention earlier, but thanks to Vartok for that uh, very cool review of that movie, Monsters. Thanks for that. I appreciate it very much. always appreciate it. Send in anything you want to review, comments about movies, comic books, uh, regular books, you know, TV shows, any anything related to uh, geeky stuff that we enjoy, collectibles, all that stuff. Send it in and uh, to treksf at gmail.com. You can always visit the main website over at treksandsci-fi.com, find out what's coming up on the podcast, and and see the daily trek and daily babe pick and whatever. Uh, and it, it's just um, all there. And donation links and uh, put some reviews up on iTunes, all that good stuff. Thanks, folks. Um, one little teaser thing here: there could be um, something uh, for Rico job-related, maybe altering in the near future. That's all I'm going to say right now. A lot of things uh, up in the air still, so uh, we'll just throw that little teaser, you know, out there for. Uh, so tune in next week to the Indiana Jones podcast and maybe learn more about that. So anyway, uh, everyone have a great week. Uh, that's about it, I think, for this time on Treks and Sci-Fi. I always appreciate you guys coming back each week, listening again, and I'll try to con- continue to entertain you as much as I can. <laughs> everyone, take care. I'll talk to you again next time with Indy. And a look at Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade coming up next week on Treks in Sci-Fi. Bye. You've been listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. For more information, visit treksinsci-fi.com. Write to Rico today at treksf at gmail.com. That's treksf at gmail.com. Set a course for Earth. Maximum warp. Copyright 2011. 